0: Well, hello again and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my gorgeous, wonderful, intelligent, extremely (laughs) hardworking... Roy
1: O Disney Love and and co-host Michelle. <laughs> um, yes, although when you say, as always here with, I guess we're not actually there together, but we're we're recording together. That is true.
0: We are not <laughs> actually together in the same room Aww. or in the same state or in the same time zone. <laughs> We are recording this episode, first of all, also on Saturday, June 11th, 2022, easy for me to say. Uh, (laughs) It will be dropping on our normal Sunday date of June 12th, 2022. But yes, um, there's a couple things that are going to be different about this show. So if it sounds a little different, that's why. One, I am in Florida still. Michelle now is back in California for a few more weeks as we kind of wrap up some things with our old home before she makes the complete move out there. So we are recording this show from completely (laughs) different destinations today.
1: Yeah, and talk about hard working. Now, I think that role is... uh Is going to start going over to you now. (laughs) Yes.
0: I work today. Um, Today was my day, first day of on the job training for the post office. I I work tomorrow on the day that (laughs) what they call Amazon Sunday, where we deliver Amazon packages for Amazon. The post office does that, if you didn't know that. Um, So I will be working tomorrow, and that's why we are recording today on Saturday, June 11th. Right. Yeah. So. But no matter what time you're listening to this and what time we're recording, we appreciate that you joined (laughs) us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. The very best place to find us is on our own website, com. And while you're there,
1: we'd love for you to sign up for our newsletter.
0: Please sign up for the newsletter. I promise there will be a new newsletter this week. I couldn't put one out like I thought I would this week because I actually didn't have the computer hooked up until just yesterday. But <laughs> I have Monday off, so I will be putting together the newsletter and it will go out this week. I promise. <laughs>
1: uh, oh, it's this is fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh,
0: Also, another great way to be involved with the show is to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good, positive Disney energy fun at our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group.
1: Yeah, we always love to interact with people, and that is a uh, great group if you're not already part of that please as Tom said join in uh, if you are a part of it tell your friends and family to join in
0: yeah it's just a great way to share some positive good Disney energy fun And it doesn't matter if it's something that is personal for you if it's something that's fun if it's something Disney related we just want to have some fun with you in our Hyperion Adventures Facebook group
1: that's right we love celebrating things too so
0: Yeah, absolutely. Also, we're on YouTube. If you want to just uh, find us there, just do a quick search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Hit subscribe. You'll know whenever we have a new video. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, hyperionadventurespodcast at gmail.com.
1: And like we always say, we just love hearing from you. If you want to say hi, But also feel free to give some feedback about the show or let us know if there's something in particular you'd like like us to chat about.
0: Yep. Uh, Suggestions for topics, anything we just want to hear from you. Now, uh, if there are some ways, if you want to, let me try and say that a little better. Now, (laughs) there are some ways if you want to help this show in a monetary basis and kind of get some good swag out of it as well the Mm -hmm. first one and the easiest one and way you get directly swag right to you is through our Hyperion Adventurers uh, excuse me our Hyperion Adventure Spreadshirt Shop boy you can tell I work today Uh, (laughs) (laughs) we have all sorts of different items with uh, our various different logos from our hashtag real men love frozen of course our traditional logo our I'm heading to Hyperion Adventure Land, just all sorts of great stuff there. And it's not just t shirts, hats, mugs, water bottles, all sorts of stuff. And you want to PJs. find us. Yeah, exactly. PJs, yes. Uh, if you want to find us there, just go to spreadshirt.com and do a search for Hyperion Adventures Pro- podcast, and we'll come up easily for you. Or you can go to any of our profile pages on our social media. Uh, outlets. And uh, you can find our Linktree account there. And there's a link right within that. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Another great way is to join in in our our Patreon group on our Patreon page that you'll find us there at patreon.com slash Hyperion Adventures podcast. And if you just go there and sign up for whatever tier that suits you just fine, their tier starting as low as two dollars per month and you'll get some swag that way and there's some other things coming that we plan on having you involved as soon as we get things settled on the same coast right michelle
1: that's right not much longer just we're we're weeks away in the countdown now there we go uh, and again great swag there and we appreciate everybody who's
0: already been a patreon member for many many months Most now. definitely Now, before we get into this week's show, we always kind of like to look back at the week that was and pick out those great little gems that were things that kind of were highlights of the week. You know, there's uh, the usual ebb and flow of every week, but we like to focus on the positive here on this show. So we like to look back on something that's called my favorite thing from this week. And when we do this, we always start with Michelle. Well, because... You know, she does the best research, which you're about to hear soon. She has the best list. You know she has the best tips, but she always has the best favorite thing from this week. So,
1: Michelle, what was your favorite thing from this week? Wow. Well, there are a lot of things that happened this week, um, a lot of good things, a lot of interesting things, um, but I guess I'm going to say my favorite thing from this week uh I guess it'll sound a little selfish, but I did have to fly back to San Diego and I was just happy that the flights went smoothly, no delays and uh, got home safe and sound.
0: Yes, and I'm very happy about that too. Although I'd like to have you out here with me. I'm I glad know. that your travel went smoothly for you. Although we had a little bump in the road trying to get you to the airport in the morning, but that was all resolved itself. You got there in time, got on your flights, they went smoothly, and I'm glad you're back in San Diego and counting down until you can get back here with me in
1: Florida. Exactly. What about you? What's your favorite thing of this week?
0: My favorite thing from this week, again, I love the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I know some people aren't as big of fans of it, which surprises me because I think it's been excellent so far. I'm really enjoying it. Um, That is one of my favorite things from this week. And my other favorite thing from this week is I actually moved into our new home. I mean, we've had stuff here, but we've been kind (laughs) of... Going in and out. Michelle's been here while I've been doing stuff, uh, preparing for my new job. She would come in, unpack some boxes, kind of get something situated. uh, And then we would go and stay at uh, Michelle's sister and brother-in-law's place in the evening. Well, uh, that all came to a conclusion for me uh, uh, yesterday on Friday. uh, I had a day off. And decided to go ahead and make the move into here, and because I would be able to get some stuff done. And now I am in this house full time again, waiting for Michelle to join me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think we only have four total episodes that we're going to be doing this way before we're back together. Maybe three. I can't. People are probably very pretty
0: happy about that already, right now. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I know we will be. uh, Just because we'll be happy to be back together for sure. So, Absolutely. Uh, We did get a My Favorite Thing from this week from one of our listeners as well. This one from Camille. She hit us up on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. And she said, My favorite thing this week was getting started on my Mando slash Ahsoka tattoo. She posted a picture and said, Here is an in-progress sneak peek. I'll share photos when it's all finished after the next set after my next session. Uh, looking at the picture right now, and you can already see the outline of Ahsoka, and it looks like Grogu's there, and uh, it looks already stunning. And I'm looking forward to seeing the final result and seeing those posted on our, our Facebook group.
1: Right, so excited to see that happening, and and as we've we've talked about Camille and and the whole family there um, before, just wonderful people, and excited for them, and celebrating with them this this new tattoo.
0: Yeah, and uh, Jonathan, her husband, has some fantastic Disney uh, yes. focused Disney themed tattoos as well, and it's always fun to check out the uh, their ink uh, whenever we get to see them or when they share it with us on social media for sure. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So let's get to this week's show. We have lots of stuff for you this week, including we now know the dates for the biggest panels coming this September to the Ultimate Disney Fan Event. We'll tell you what those are. While Disney World's most high-end and most down-home dining experience are set to reopen, we'll tell you about that. And there's a beautiful new cruise liner that is now officially in Disney's possession. We'll give you a little note on that as well. But enough about all that, let's go ahead and get to our main topic of the week. Yeah, Michelle, for this week's main topic, I know this is a, a, a person who's near and dear to your heart, mine as well, and somebody who gets recognition, but maybe not all the recognition he deserves, considering that how important he was to the Disney company and how without him, the Disney company may not exist as we know it. Uh, and that, of course, is we're talking about Walt's brother, Roy O.
1: Disney. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of people obviously have heard of him and I, I think people do realize, you know, he was the financial genius behind, uh, Walt, but, um, you know, since everything does talk about Walt Disney World or, you know, Walt Disney, his name does seem to slip through the cracks a little bit more. And so I thought it would be good to, you know, give a little tribute to him because, you know, he really did make the magic happen. Uh, In fact, uh, there was an author of a book specifically about Roy Disney. His name was uh, Bob Thomas. And it was uh, the family approved of this book. And he wrote, Uh, Without Roy, the world might never have known Walt. As his younger brother Walt Disney dreamed, drew and imagined, Roy O. Disney stayed in the shadows, forming an empire. A brilliant financier and businessman, Roy helped turn Walt's dreams into reality, building the company that bears his brother's name. Uh, Bob Thomas goes on to say that closer than the Warners and Gershwin brothers, Roy and Walt's lifelong partnership had its stormy moments, but neither of them ever wandered from their joint goal of producing high-quality family entertainment. While While Walt created Mickey Mouse, Roy founded the Buena Vista Distribution Company, brought Disneyland to television, and pioneered a merchandising business that would put Mickey on shelves from Brooklyn to Beijing. So, you know, he... I, I just kind of like those quotes that where he just kind of summarized, you know, what Roy in the background was doing to make sure the dreams of Walt came true. Okay. And similarly, um, Walt, excuse me, Roy said about himself, he said, to the bankers who financed us, I'm sure Walt seemed like a wild man, hell-bent for bankruptcy. To me, he was my amazing kid brother, full of impractical dreams that made he made come true so you know this kind of really shows how roy saw himself and what his purpose was in working with his younger brother walt you know and this happened throughout their lives you know even early on in uh in their Studios, uh, production and everything, they they would fall on hard times. And, and Roy always came through with finding the financial background that, that they need, financial backing that they would need to make things happen.
0: That's the thing about it, you know, is that, you know, Walt would make the, you know, would dream up all. He was the dreamer. He was the creator. He was the original Imagineer. He would come up with all these ideas And then say, "Look, I'd love to do this." And then Roy had to (laughs) figure out how to pay for it. And so, you know, a lot of these things, especially like Disneyland, which was crazy to begin with, the idea was was bonkers. Um, You know, the fact that Roy was able to get the money together, find out these creative financing plans to make these things happen. Again, we don't know what Disney would be if it would be we we would have any idea about it if it weren't for Roy and, of course, uh, Walt. So they were really the the perfect team exactly
1: so you know obviously one of the biggest parts of the organization that roy handled uh, was walt disney world or at the initial onset they it was called the florida project um and and one of the things that was really interesting that roy really brought to light and i know i'm going to talk about this story and i know there's been more local uh more current things happening about this but just to kind of give you the background, you know, they were buying up all this land in Florida. It was swamp land, um, but it was within two separate counties. So anytime they had to work with getting approvals for zoning and codes, you know, it was a nightmare because it was kind of like back and forth. You know, one County would, would authorize some parts of it, but not other parts and vice versa. So, what roy realized is the power of the disney name was was already established as something that it was a, a good name associated with quality and associated with providing good wholesome family entertainment so he was roy was actually able to gain support from the governor to create their own municipalities uh, so the, the, at that time, the Florida governor signed into law a new legislation that created Reedy Creek Improvement District and two municipalities within it, which included Bay Lake and Reedy Creek, which was later named Lake Buena Vista.
0: Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, obviously been in the news a lot recently, you know, and some people may wonder what that in, is in regards to. and. Uh, that was a significant thing. I mean, it's tough to, it can be tough enough to make something happen within your own municipality, within your own local government, but to try and get the same thing passed twice uh, could be very, very difficult. So the ability at that point and still, even though there are some issues about it right now and it is up in the air, uh, but even to this day that you still can get things done through this act um, you know, much more simply was a huge thing for building Walt Disney World, for sure.
1: Right. You know, having Reedy Creek uh, granted them the same type of powers that you would see in, you know, most cities and counties, you know, that included things like writing building codes or selling tax-free bonds, uh, producing their own electricity, um, you know, and, and so it they, they also had a board a governing board that functions as a democracy with elections and everything. And it it has never been completely immune from outside government. So it still paid Orange County taxes and uh, property taxes, just like any other owners in in cities. Um, And they did have to submit developmental plans for approval to the State Water Management District. Um, But the trade-off was that the landowners within Reedy Creek Improvement District which was primarily Walt Disney World, would be solely responsible for paying the costs of providing typical municipality services like power, water, roads, fire protection. So uh, local taxpayers, you know, meaning the residents of Orange and Osceola counties, wouldn't have to pay for building or maintaining those services for Walt Disney World.
0: Yeah, so then it really goes under the radar here, you know, and when you we were talking about the, the whole uh, Reedy Creek thing is that, uh, yeah, that's something that may change here for right. some residents in the Florida area. We'll have to see. But it was really, really such a big thing to make sure that Walt Disney World has, you know, existed for 50 years and that it could be, even exist in the first place. And, yeah, Roy such a big driver behind that concept.
1: Right. Talk about being innovative when you're you're dealing with this uh, enormous challenge of trying to get anything done. Uh, as we know, with any kind of you know governmental project, it, you know, you're going to have delays and snags. And so he really did work to come up with a very creative approach. So sure. uh, I do have one fun fact here that Yay,
0: um, Michelle fun fact. <laughs>
1: Um, When the Disney company was actually buying up these properties uh, in Florida, you know, mainly swampland, as I mentioned, they were getting it for about two hundred dollars an acre. Um, And but they did face some holdups. And in fact, there was one lady who had a little bit of property in that area uh, and she wasn't going to give up her home. Uh, so there was rumors that, uh, she was told by somebody that she could get as much as $5,000 for her little bit of property. Um, so Roy decided, he said, you know what? She's a poor old lady all by herself. Give her $12,000. So the company did, she was overjoyed. And even Roy mentioned that he said, it's nice when you can give someone something in their old age, it really meant something to her. So, I mean, again, this shows, yes, he's going to be very prudent on, you know, how they spend money, but he also is, is very warm hearted and realized, you know, let's make this happen. Let's make it go quickly and smoothly and let's help somebody out. Yeah,
0: I mean, that that doesn't sound like a lot of money nowadays. I mean, that's practically how much it costs to fill up your tank anymore. <laughs> I know, uh, right? <laughs> but back in the day, that was a lot of money. And uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's never easy leaving a home that you've loved for so very long. But, you know, when you get paid more than double the value, eh, maybe you start, you know, do I really? Yeah. Love it? How much do I love the place? So <laughs> exactly. that, that was cool.
1: Yeah. So... Now, uh, as we've talked about on, on our podcast before, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people know this story, is that be, uh, before the Florida Project actually came into being, of Walt Disney World, Walt actually passed away. Um, that was in 1966. So if you think about the time frame, you know, the parks officially opened in October of 1971. Um, so there's you know, that five-year gap was pretty significant of what was happening. So, so Walt passed pretty early in the process um and uh, although roy was scared and certainly devastated by his brother's passing he really was determined to see walt's plans become a reality um john hench recalled one time roy saying i simply had to do it because when i meet walt again if i hadn't even tried to build that thing i would really catch hell Hench said that he really believed that, Roy really believed that, and he did it for Walt. So the way he did this was just a week after Walt passed away, Roy collected the staff of, you know, his staff of leaders, brought them to the studio's projection room, and actually gave them a pep talk. Um, Marvin Davis, which we've talked about before as a WED project designer, actually recalled that he, he noticed that it was really even just hard for Roy to speak, you know, because he was just so emotional over this. But he said, we're going to finish this park and we're going to do it just the way Walt wanted it. Don't you ever forget. So, um, you know, this decision that Roy took on, you know, to to one more time provide this, this reality to Walt's dream actually had... A, A significant impact on himself because Roy had already had decided he was going to retire and and he was 73 years old but instead he decided this was his last gift to Walt he was going to um, relinquish his position as president of Walt Disney Productions so he could completely focus his attention on the plans and financing Walt Disney World Such a cool
0: thing. You know, I mean, you think about uh, Walt Disney World. And yes, I, I mean, you know, part of the reason why it is not just Disney World, although a lot of people call it Disney World, it is Walt Disney World is because, you know, Roy uh, wanted it to be named after his brother, who this was the idea. But really, it's a, a, as much as it is, you know, Walt's Resort, Walt's Parks, it's really Roy's Park because it just wouldn't have, I, who knows if it ever would have come to fruition, if it weren't for Roy stepping up to the plate and making sure it got done.
1: Oh, for sure, because he, at that time, when when Walt first passed away, you know they really didn't know who was going to be leading them, and there was you know a lot of just devastation, and people weren't able to really get moving on things, and then they ended up getting tied up with the 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 question over and over is what would Walt do? So. But it's interesting you brought up about the title because I, I don't know. I don't know if, if through the Internet there you can read my notes. But that was the next thing I was going to actually bring up is that Roy really did refer to the project as Walt Disney World rather than simply calling it Disney World. Roy really insisted on making sure Walt was in the title. And Card Walker, who was the president of Walt Disney Productions at that time, uh concurred with this concept and he said he actually fought with roy on it he said look disney world was a better title to market but but uh card said that roy was insistent and said no card i want it that way so boom we said fine that's it and that was the end of that so that was Really, again, like you're saying, uh, how Roy was making sure Walt wanted to be highlighted in this because he he felt Walt really was the one who had the initial idea and the concepts, and Roy felt it was just his job to make sure to deliver that product that Walt had decided on. Yeah, Um, I mean,
0: like you said, it's basically his his last little gift uh, to his little brother, you know, who passed away uh, so unfortunately and so early, you know.
1: Right. Yeah. Just, it's amazing to think how he was able to really pull himself together and do that. I mean, again, within a week to, you know, have made that decision to completely change his plans for retirement, to be dealing with the fact that his, you know, his younger brother that he was very close with had passed away. And it's like, okay, but my, my first order of business here is I have to take my little brother's dream and make it a reality. Mm -hmm. So um so actually Roy ended up um spending most of the time in Florida during the construction and he really actually became uh so involved that he he was it did bring him joy as well and Marty Sklar, um was it had been interviewed and he said that and when he was talking about Roy he said he was very proud of it as he should have been because he was the one that really made it happen um and a reporter in 1969, so again before the park opened, said uh, he quoted Roy as saying, this is a lot of fun. It's exciting seeing all these things. It's a thrill for me. I'm only sorry that Walt isn't here to see it too. Boy, he would have enjoyed it. So in addition to you know wanting to make sure Walt's name was the highlight c- calling the park Walt Disney World, Roy actually didn't want his name to be a a big part of this and so he actually wrote a memo to Marty Sklar in 1971 and this is what he wrote this is what Roy wrote in the Main Street section with reference to the steam railroad you list three locomotives named for Walt Roger Broggy and myself I want you to withdraw my name and see if you can find a more suitable one one connected with the railroad I don't feel right about having my name used there because I've had absolutely nothing to do with the steam trains. I can't help you with any substitute suggestions, but anyways, please remove my name from consideration before you get to the point of painting it on the equipment. But the interesting thing is that Roy actually did have a little something to do with Walt's trains. Way back in 1951, Roy was the one that suggested to Walt is to use his... Um, Uh, Carolwood Pacific in a Christmas window display at a department store. Uh, Roy thought that the display could really help maintain Walt's Railroad and promote that little side business. Um, And in fact, that display did catch the eye of a merchandise presentation specialist called Bill Steinsgaard. And he actually connected with Walt, who was requesting that the train go on a nationwide tour. So it is kind of cute that Roy did have that connection with Walt's train uh, interests.
0: Yeah, that is cool. You know, I mean, especially... Uh, you know, I, I, you know, really tie Roy with the the trains. You knew Walt loved the trains. We've all heard about it that you know he built his own little uh, train, uh, mini train set in his backyard of his home, and that was kind of his lead into um, one of his lead-ins to building Disneyland. And of course, there had to be a full steam locomotive train uh, going around that park. He, <laughs> it was a, it was a must. Um, but yeah, I mean, Roy was there too. And Roy was, uh, was a big part of making sure that all that happened. And again, the man behind the man that made sure things happened, that made sure uh, there were ways to, to pay for all these things. Roy, again, stepping up to the plate.
1: Yeah. And, and having that humbleness about him that he didn't want to take over the limelight and have his name even associated there. So I thought that was pretty cool it always Um, seemed
0: like Roy was that way. You know, his brother, Walt's the showman. He's going to be out there. He's going to be the salesman. He's going to make everything, you know, make all the dreams. And then meanwhile, Roy's back in the background just making sure that everything can find ways to get paid for and make sure that whatever (laughs) all these promises, whatever he, Walt, could think of. Um, that they were he was going to as much as possible and I'm sure there are plenty of things that Walt thought of that were impossible <laughs> that he couldn't pay for and, and sometimes you need that guy back there like Roy to right. look I know you'll think this is great but we you know let, let's think of the bottom line when it's all said and done as well sometimes you got to find that balance between the two and that's again why the the two of them were like the perfect team
1: exactly so Interestingly, Roy quoted a comment of himself. He said, I've been made the skinflint. Skinflint. Did I say that right? (laughs) Yes. Thank you. I've been made the skinflint, but I really wasn't. All I've been trying to do is help Walt do what he was trying to do. But in reality, like you said, honey, um, Roy didn't always skimp. And there was a press release in 1969 talking about Walt Disney World, and it said, the most modern and advanced telephone system in America was installed at Walt Disney World. And similar with the trash collection, there was uh, um, headlines in uh, November of 1971 proclaiming, giant vacuum helps keep the magic in the magic kingdom. So they, they came up with that A- A- AVAC system. Uh, in fact, it was the first AVAC system in the U.S. and by far the largest system in the world um, to remove trash very discreetly from, you know, the park. So um, like you said, he had that balance with Walt. He wanted to make sure things were going to um, be good and that the money that was going to be utilized was going to be well spent. So, let's move on to opening day now of the Florida Project, or Walt Disney World. Um, you know, even during that dedication, Walt, uh, excuse me, Roy deferred to Walt. So there was uh, a book by John Hench and he actually recalled what happened that day pretty nicely. He said, Roy Disney stood facing the microphone before a crowd of guests ready to deliver the dedication speak at the opening ceremony. He suddenly turned and looked around and I heard him say quietly, somebody go find Mickey for me. We don't have Walt anymore and Mickey is the nearest thing to Walt that we have left. And then Mickey appeared and Roy promptly began his speech with Mickey standing proudly at his side. And so this is the the dedication that Roy actually said said, Walt Disney World is a tribute to the philosophy and life of Walter Elias Disney and to the talents, the dedication, and the loyalty of the entire Disney organization that made Walt Disney's dream come true. May Walt Disney World bring joy and inspiration and new knowledge to all who come to this happy place, a magic kingdom where the young at heart of all ages can laugh and play and learn together.
0: I love that so much. And I love the, you know, I mean, you see it on social media and in various different stories out there Mm -hmm. about how, you know, you know, Disney adults and that, you know, they pick on people like us who are as adults love Disney (laughs) dearly, you know, and that, you know, this is a place for kids, not for adults. No, and just stated right there in the opening uh, line from Roy. Uh, about Walt Disney World. It's for kids of all ages. And that's always right. the way I feel about Disney. And that's exactly what it's meant to be. And so, you know, hey, be proud about being a Disney fan. That was what it was meant to be from Walt to Roy all the way through. And it's just uh, such a wonderful, touching sentiment. And, the, you know, going back to what we were talking about with And and we've talked about this on the show before, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Mickey um, being there at his side, that was not planned. That was not supposed to happen. Mickey was not supposed to be there. But Roy insisted that, you know, this is basically the only way my brother could be here by my side for this because he saw uh, so much of Walt in Mickey and that Mickey basically, you know, stood in. Uh, for Walt and that's why Mickey didn't do, you know, he wasn't up there, you know, doing his usual, hey hey crew, you know, he was just, you know, <laughs> there quiet, you know, and, and, and just being, uh, you know, just there, he was just to be there, not to necessarily entertain the crowd.
1: Right. To be kind of like the spirit of Walt mm-hmm, exactly. visible there. Exactly. Yeah. So as I mentioned kind of early on in the discussion about the Florida project, you know, Roy's decision to take this on really did play an important, had an important impact on his life. As I mentioned earlier, he wanted to retire. So days after the ceremony of opening Walt Disney World, Roy returned back to his home in California. And sadly, he never made it back to Florida. Um, He actually fell into a coma and had a stroke and passed away in December of 1971 in the same hospital where his brother had passed away five years earlier. And if you think about it, Walt also passed away in December. So five years after Walt passed away, his brother completed the project and within a few short months actually joined his brother.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, that was his last thing he hung on long enough not saying he was in you know super bad health or anything but he hung on right. you know he completed his mission essentially at that point he he got Walt's park built and um, right and yeah it's it's you know fascinating to think about that it was you know the same month and you know in the same hospital same hospital mm-hmm. you know that uh Just, you know, how tied they were together as brothers uh, down to their very last days is is pretty incredible.
1: Exactly. That's right. So I just kind of wanted to tie this up with sharing some quotes from people who did know Roy Disney to kind of give you an understanding of his personality. Irving Ludwig, who was the president of Disney's original distribution company, was asked for his impressions about Roy. And he said, He made me feel good all over, had something about him that you wanted to do everything you possibly could because of the manner in which you were treated. And it lasted all those years, all those years. To me, he was really the spirit of Walt Disney Productions, the guy who had the toughest job of them all. He had to keep everything together. He called Roy the heart of the organization. And then another quote, there was a writer from the Orlando Sentinel who was writing about Roy's um, influence. And he said, five minutes after meeting him, you had the feeling you had known the man for most of your life. Um, and then Don Esken, esken I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, who was a former financial administrator and company treasurer, uh, he would see Roy from time to time, even different parts of the world. And he said, first thing Roy would do Instead of going into a meeting and meet with the head of the operation, sales manager or administrator, Roy would go into the office and he'd go back to the corner, somebody that he had never seen before, probably the newest employee in the office, shake their hand and greet them and say, how do you like it here? He further characterized Roy by saying, he didn't have a lot of outside interests. The studio and supporting Walt that was what he thought about and talked about a marvelous man. And then uh, just a couple more here is that uh, there was a retirement party in 1971 for uh, Bob Cook, who was in a sound director. And uh, Roy was invited to give a speech. and actually, after Roy gave his speech to the retiring, dedicating to the retiring person, there was a uh, a sound engineer who worked for Walt Disney Productions actually got up and said, if it hadn't been for Roy Disney, there might not have been a nice studio here for you nice people to work at. He did a nice job of financing this studio during the Depression days. Things were not easy. I don't know how Roy did it. He must have had some magic tricks of, of some kind. And he did it when money was really hard to get. Thank you to Roy. So, I mean, it even shows that in a, you know, somebody's retiring and Roy gives a speech about that person, somebody else gets up and gives praise to Roy for actually providing them, you know, the sound studio. And lastly, um, the lawyer who became general attorney for the uh, corporate and financial division, Dick Morrow, said, the world was a better place for that man, Walt, having been and certainly always a better place because of Roy, who complimented him so beautifully. So, you know, I think it really just kind of shows there that, you know, you had, like we've been saying all along, two brothers who were, were going for the same goal. They worked together, even though they might have had differences, they knew what they, they wanted to accomplish. And, you know, although Walt gets so much of the credit, we really need to acknowledge that Roy was the person that was behind the man to make it happen.
0: Right. And that's exactly why we we thought it was so important to to share uh, the in, the information about him today because, you know, especially with you know Walt Disney World turning 50 and really again, you know, yes, it's Walt's right. park, but it is at least equally Roy's park, um Magic Kingdom especially because of all this, but uh, you know it, it, there is he, he was so integral uh, to making the Disney company be what it uh, what it is now and what it uh, was for, you know, gosh, we're, we're we're approaching the 100 year anniversary of it. And he was there for, right. uh, you know, most of it, not talking, obviously, since he, he passed in 71. But for, you know, a good a good portion of that and, you know, making sure that uh, it could function uh, as as needed, you know, not just, you know, making sure that, yeah, you know, everything you want, Walt, you get. No, Um, being there to step up every once in a while and say, no, I know you want to do this, but we have to look at it in a different way or try and tweak it some way because bottom line wise, it, it, it would affect us. But when it was necessary, he was willing to cut the check, make something happen to make sure
1: that, you know, the Disney company and Walt's dreams would come true. Right. I mean, just as much as Walt's been the creative background to, you know, whether you're talking about cartoons or movies or parks that, and we say he was a creative genius, just as much so his brother Roy was a financial genius. He came up with the most unique ways and aspects to get money, uh, as as somebody had mentioned, when it wasn't easy and still be able to accomplish what they needed. So that's my look. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so that was my look back at Roy Disney. Yes, Roy Disney,
0: the man who made Walt's dreams come true. Great job, sweetheart. Michelle's research, always the best research. And I know whenever, because we talked before we started recording this episode, there's almost, this is like if you got into our world a little bit, Michelle would always come up to me before our show and say, I'm not sure if I have, (laughs) uh, you know, everything about this one. This one might not be as good as some of the other ones. That's when I know that it's going to be an (laughs) excellent episode. Because she always does such great research, and yet she always wants to do a little bit more. But, honey, uh, that was fantastic. Uh, great job uh, looking back at Roy and, and how important he was. And how much he was beloved, as you heard from all the different quotes you added into there. Um, right. How great he was. And uh, fantastic job by you again.
1: Ah, uh, thanks. I really appreciate that. You're sweet. <laughs> <laughs> So let's go ahead and get to our Disney Stories
0: of the Week. We well, yeah, have a few for you this week, and I'm going to start with, we now know the dates for the biggest panels coming this September to the Ultimate Woo-hoo! Disney Fan Event. Yes, uh, these aren't the only panels, but these are the biggies, the ones that everybody wants to get to, uh, usually in Hall D23. So let's go ahead and get to them. This from D23.com. They say, D23 Expo, presented by Visa, is only a few months away, and with it, the promise of exciting announcements, reveals, sneak peeks, and more for everything Disney. Plus, Disney 100 will kick off at D23 Expo, celebrating 100 years of wonder as the Walt Disney Company enters its second century. So here is the schedule. So it's Friday, September 9th, Saturday, September 10th, and Sunday, September 11th. So for Friday, the 9th, it kicks off with Disney 100, an epic presentation that includes the Disney Legends Award Ceremony featuring Disney CEO, Bob Chapek, The Disney Legends ceremony will once again honor those visionaries and artists who have made significant contributions to the Disney legacy. Look for the names of the 2022 inductees to be announced in the coming weeks. Can't wait to see who the Uh Disney Legends are for this year. Then at 3.30 p.m., guests will be treated to new details, first looks, sneak peeks, surprises, and announcements regarding upcoming theatrical and Disney Plus titles. From Disney, live-action, Pixar Animation Studios, and Walt Disney Animation Studios, studio heads, filmmakers, and cast members will come together on stage for the inside scoop of some of those studios' most exciting titles. It's, it's interesting that that's an afternoon because a lot of times uh, the biggest panels happen in the mornings. So uh, having that right. one at 3:30, uh, pretty cool. Because especially since you know they. They're not like, uh, you know, Comic-Con or apparently a Star Wars celebration where you can get kind of squatters rights within Hall D23. They will clear that out after the first uh, panel of the day, that uh, Disney 100. And then, you know, anybody who is. I'm assuming they're going to do the reservation system again, but there's also probably right. going to be a a, a, a a line that you can get into. So you might have a shot to make this, this one, and that is uh, really, if you love the movies and the television stuff, that is a great panel to be at. Right,
1: right. Exciting. Yes.
0: So moving on, Saturday, September 10th, filmmakers, celebrity talent, and surprise guests will join representatives from Marvel Studios and Lucasfilm, among others, (laughs) on stage in Hall D23 at 10 a.m. to showcase theatrical and Disney Plus titles. going behind the scenes of these studios highly anticipated film specials and series attendees will see exclusive footage and be among the first to learn what else is in the works that's going to be one of those ones where they make you seal up your phone because the only (laughs) people are going to see a lot of this uh special footage uh will be there at that uh at that panel
1: yeah i'm sure that's going to be super sought out whether it's through the reservation system or, or like you mentioned, the queues. I mean, what's you know the company's been bringing out more new content for Marvel as well as uh, Lucas Films and Star Wars. It's I, I, I can't believe that's not going to be like the most sought out one and the most exciting panel. That's
0: definitely going to be one of the biggies for sure. That's one you're going to want to hit up. It's interesting that they kind of split apart because before they've kind of put Marvel and Lucasfilm uh, within the, you know, the films or the television if they do Disney plus or whatever this, they just look, we're just going to separate them because they're there. They'll take over their own landscape here. So we're just going to put them as their own panel. So, that's right, kind of cool. right. At three thirty p.m. on the Saturday, September tenth, Disney branded television will present an u- exclusive showcase of upcoming content that will continue the legacy of excellence in storytelling. The showcase will feature talent appearances and never before seen sneak previews of original content for Disney Plus, Disney Channel, and Disney Junior, including looks at the new Disney Plus original series National Treasure, American Born Chinese, and The Santa Claus. So that's kind of cool as well. That's Woohoo. interesting to yeah. split off there. Uh, Sunday, September 11th kicks off with the other panel that I think will be the biggest panel uh, of this. And that is, of course, at 10.30 a.m., the Disney Parks Experiences and Products panel. That is always yeah. one that we all want to know what's coming to the parks. What are they looking at? What are they thinking? Uh, there's always some great stuff there. Chairman Josh Damaro. Uh, We'll be there for a look at Disney's boundless future with announcements and updates on on the magic happening around the world in parks, on the high seas, at home and beyond. Attendees will get a behind-the-scenes look at the big dreams of Disney Imagineers. Every Disney fan will want to be a part of this special presentation full of exciting news and surprises. By the way, and I don't know they're going to do this this year, but I I assume they've done it in the past. Um, if for whatever reason you're not going to be able to make it to D23 Expo in Anaheim, that is usually a presentation that uh, is streamed because they just want they know the excitement behind the Disney parks and experiences and products. So that is usually one that you'll be able to catch um, from your home. Now again, don't don't lock me into that. Don't quote me on it, but that usually seems to be the case.
1: Yeah, that that would make sense, you know. And it'll be interesting because we know from the last D twenty three there were a lot of announcements for changes, especially at Epcot Center. And you know, hey, who would have known back then that the pandemic was going to happen and and have so many changes and and alterations needed for plans? So it will be interesting to see if some of the things that have been put on hold are going to. Resurface, or have they redesigned something? So I'm very excited to hear what's going to come out of that panel.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm looking for one thing and one thing only, and that is where is Encanto coming in the parks? Because <laughs> I guarantee you it's happening somewhere. They haven't made the official announcement yet, but it won't shock me if it's something at least one or two things. They already mentioned it as a franchise. That wasn't a slip of the tongue. This has been such a big hit, so popular, that I got to believe that there's going to be some sort of announcement of something happening within Kanto, within the parks, for sure.
1: Right. Wouldn't be excited if Lin-Manuel was on the panel. Mm,
0: I would be more excited if he was on the show, but, you know, I know. keep trying, (laughs) lin We're going to keep trying. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Finally, the tradition continues as they wrap up the entire week of events. And at 4.15 p.m., it's almost always on Sunday. The last thing they do is some sort of musical event of some kind, and that will continue at this year's D23 Expo. Disney concerts will present a special performance of Disney Princess, the concert featuring Tony nominee, and Michelle's bestie, Susan Egan, <laughs> Broadway's original Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Megan Disney's animated feature, Hercules, of course. Uh, Broadway.com audience award nominee, Isabel McCalla, who has played Princess Jasmine in Aladdin. And she's also been in the prom. Uh, Disney Channel star, and Annalise Vanderpoel, who is in That's So Raven, Raven's Home. And she was Broadway's final Belle in Beauty and the Beast, and Broadway World Award winner Cindy Winters, who was Broadway's Nala in The Lion King. She also uh, was one of the cast in, in Hamilton. Um, music director Benjamin Raula, Ra- I totally butchered his name, Raul Hala, <laughs> who has uh, been in Fiddler on the Roof, and The Secret Life of Bees, and Prince Adam J. Levy, who was played in Moulin Rouge, will also join the quartet the acclaimed cast will perform favorite Disney princesses and Frozen songs. Hello, hashtag Real Man Love Frozen, including classics such as Part of Your World, Let It Go, A Whole New World, Colors of the Wind, and Almost There. The performers will share exclusive, hilarious, and heartfelt behind-the-scenes stories from their time on stage and screen. And you know it—that's gonna be great. You know that, that we've we've seen had the chance to see Alan Mankin perform at the right. D23 Expo. Um, we've got to see the uh, Disney on Broadway celebration kind of there. The last one, which was fantastic. And I, some of these um, performers might have been a part of that as well. Um, it just is a cool way to kind of close out the week if you can. You know, the last half of Sunday is always kind of tricky. People are getting ready to catch flights, head back to wherever they came from. So it's it's always kind of an up in the air day, but man, wrapping it up with these wonderful musical numbers is always a fantastic way to finish up what is always a wonderful, wonderful Disney weekend.
1: Yeah, it's it, like you said, it is a nice way to tie everything up. And you know, speaking of Alan Menken, a lot of the songs that they'll be singing will be songs oh, that yeah. he you know came up with. So uh, it, it'll be spectacular.
0: Yep, yep. Uh, hope. I believe we'll get to a peek at that we have tickets actually and i think it's november to the disney princess the concert uh here nearby our home they're coming they they this this group um does actually tour the country and put on these shows and i've seen clips of it we've we've been lucky enough to see susan egan uh perform on her own several times but mm-hmm. um it, it it is everything I've seen from it. It looks spectacular. I'm excited to go see it for ourselves uh, when it comes to our town. You should look for it when it's coming to your town. And uh, very excited that uh, it's going to be at the D23 Expo as well. That's right. Yeah. So moving on to the next story. Walt Disney World's most high end and most down home <laughs> dining experiences are set to reopen. This from the Disney Parks blog. Excuse me. A few establishments allow you to indulge in the luxurious cuisine quite like Victorian and Alberts, and they say they're thrilled Woo-hoo. to share this fine dining restaurant at Disney's Grand Californian, Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. Is preparing Gotta for get its back mo- to that state. I know. <laughs> For its momentous return on July 28th with reservations available starting June 20th. So if you have wanted to get to Victoria and Albert, you got that kind of money in your pocket because it's not cheap. <laughs> but boy, from what I understand, it is wonderful. Um, you can start making those reservations on June 20th. So that's exciting news.
1: It definitely is. It's, you know, again, as we've said in past uh, episodes, just seeing more and more things come back that were there before the pandemic is is great.
0: Mm -hmm. So they say, they go on to say, upon reopening, you'll savor your way through the chef's tasting menu. Each dish balances elegant ingredients with unique flavors. With the ever-evolving menu at Victoria and Albert's, guests will be able to indulge in dishes such as Colorado lamb with pickled blueberry and violet mustard and line-caught turbo with fennel fondue and Pernod bourblanc. blanc. Uh, Those who enjoy the finest of beef can experience the Wagyu A5 Miyazaki. Boy, that's not easy for me to say at all. Miyazaki. Wow, no. Yeah. Uh, With sauce romesco and potato roasty, uh, chocolate lovers will revel in the spectrum of chocolate and ombre featuring specially sourced chocolates with accents of buttermilk, grand Marnier, and vanilla. We have not eaten at Victorian Alberts, but we have eaten at Remy, uh, which has one of the chefs that put together the original menu for Mm -hmm. Victorian Alberts. And let me tell you, it is a dining experience that you will never forget. Now, not everybody can afford it. It is not cheap. It is very, very expensive, especially Victorian Alberts. It is very, very expensive. But if you can save up for it, if you can find a way, I from everything I know about Remy, I know that Victoria, and from what everybody said about Victoria and Alberts, it is worth it to splurge once in your life. Do Make it a, a bucket list event and have a wonderful dinner there.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, when we've gone to Remy's, Words really can't describe how amazing the food is. And, and I know we all have like our favorite dishes from restaurants or whatever, but it's just mind-blowing how exquisite the the dishes are in terms of their presentation, their flavoring, their, their more unique items. And so it does make for an elaborately special uh experience. And it's one that I'm hoping we can do.
0: Right. Right down to the service. I mean, it's every, every, it hits every aspect, you know, the service, like you said, the presentation, the flavor combinations, which will blow your mind. Uh, it is just, it is a dining experience that, uh, you know, again, it's not for everybody, you know, I'm, you know, obviously it's an elite price and people want to spend money in different ways. I totally get that. Um, but if you ever want to splurge, you'd go crazy on a great meal for a celebration or whatever, uh, Victorian Alberts or, you know, Remy or on Shantae, apparently on the Disney wish it's coming up. Um, those are wonderful, wonderful things to do for sure. If Again, it's not easy, but if you can afford it, um, make the effort to do so. Moving on. So as we go from the high-end restaurant, let's get to the down-home restaurant. This might be more in everybody's price range here. Uh, and they say right here again to the Disney Parks blog, the wait is nearly over. It's almost time to raise the curtain and bring on the food once again at a true classic at Walt Disney World Resort. The Hoop-Dee-Doo musical review will soon be opening its doors on June 23rd. I knew we, know we knew that already, but I just wanted to bring it up again, because it is such a landmark show, and, you know, it's dinner and a show combined, and, you know, it is part of the Walt Disney World history, and just so glad that it is opening up here in uh, under two weeks now.
1: Yeah, I I know with the Hoop-Dee-Doo review, uh, one, it's one of the longest-running shows, but also... The food is really incredible. I mean, it is that down home, what is it, stick to your ribs kind of food. And speaking of ribs, that is one of the menu items. But uh, fear not. If you're vegetarian or vegan, you know, they get you covered there too. So you don't have to miss out on all the fun.
0: Yeah, plus uh, beverages and everything. It's all good. It's all a lot of fun. Uh, Good time to be had for sure. Again, dinner and a show all wrapped up in one thing. And it's, again, it's part of Walt Disney World's history. Um, Definitely worth checking it out. So, um, you know, uh, get those reservations, get out there again, opening up in less than two weeks, June 23rd. So glad, glad that that is coming back. Very soon. Now, moving on to one more story here. There is a beautiful new cruise liner that is now officially in Disney's possession. Again, to the Disney Parks blog during a traditional maritime ceremony held Thursday in Bremerhaven, Germany. Hope I got that right. I haven't gotten much right (laughs) today. Disney Cruise Line (laughs) took delivery of our newest ship. The Disney Wish. So it's basically like they signed uh, the title papers, you know, like we just recently did to close on our home. They basically did that uh, for the Disney Wish uh, on Thursday, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, got the keys and everything. (laughs) That's
0: right. Did they get the mail key and everything? Yeah. Um, Delivery is the final milestone in this ship's construction journey, which began more than two years ago at the Meyer Werft shipyard in Germany and was made possible through thousands of shipyard workers and the creative vision of Disney Imagineers. Numerous Meyer Werft and uh, Disney Cruise Line executives, including Captain Minnie, came together to witness the lowering of the Meyerwerf flag and the raising of the Disney Cruise Line flag on the ship. And now the uh, Mar- Captain Marco Nor- Nogara took the helm of the Disney Wish for the transatlantic voyage from Bremerhaven to her new home in Port Canaveral, Florida. Will it prepare to set sail on its maiden voyage from Port Canaveral on July 14th? So the Disney Wish... It's on its way. I know the Disney Dream just cut out of here uh, this week and is headed down to its new home in Miami uh, to make way for the Disney Wish. I think it's Miami, was it or was it going? I think it's Miami and not Port Everglades for Lauderdale. Anyway, it's <laughs> heading south. Um, and the, the Disney Wish is coming here and will soon be sailing out of Port Canaveral
1: that's really exciting and can't wait can't wait to see it i'm looking forward to you know going out to the to the port sometime and just getting a look from you know from the sidelines at Mm -hmm. least at first
0: yeah uh so very cool Uh, of course it will come out here and they'll probably do some more test runs on it Um, You know, some probably test cruises before they actually do that maiden voyage on July 14th. But just glad to know that it is that much closer to having this brand new, beautiful ship that we'll we'll get to sail on hopefully soon. Yeah, very, very cool. So that's it for the Disney Stories of the Week. However, we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation. And when we do this, we always start with Michelle. One, because she's awesome, wonderful, all (laughs) things great in the world. She obviously does the best research. You heard that earlier. Ooh. She has the best list. You've heard that from time to time.
1: But she definitely <laughs> has the
0: best tips. So let's get to it. Here is Michelle's tip of the week.
1: Oh, you're too kind, sweetie. Well, my tip actually has to do with what I call super seats. And, um, you know, it's mainly with attractions, but it could also be for your favorite restaurant. Um, and it's, it's always okay just to ask the cast member if you have a preference. Like for our son, Scott, he likes to be in that front row for like It's a Small World or uh, the uh, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And so when we do arrive, you know, one of the things that we do is ask if we could wait to be in the front row because we don't want to seem like we want to be pushy and be, you know, right away in the first row and and they're always really great about accommodating us i mean there have been some times i think that when it's just so busy and they have to keep things moving that it might be a, a disruption and they can't but i don't think i ever remember them ever saying no to us on that um and my personal favorite when we go to star tours is on either coast is that rear row of the of the of the ride because being a little bit uh, vertically challenged, okay. uh, I find that my feet dangle, and uh, it just it makes the experience of that attraction that much more. Um, and I and don't then know when's also- the last time
0: we haven't sat in the back row of uh, Star Tours because Michelle always requests it, so it's it's <laughs> we're always back there in the back row. But it's 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 always a good time, and Michelle is so tickled by the fact that her feet you know sway with the ride as we go along right
1: (laughs) and and you know i think i find i can see the screen better too because i'm a little bit above everybody i mean i know every row is but it just seems like it's a a bit bit more um and then there's in in restaurants you might want to see about having a request for a favorite seat now this one might be a little trickier um because of how tables you know uh empty and fill again, that it might not be as easily for, for a cast member to accommodate the request, but it certainly doesn't hurt to ask. And, you know, some examples are, for example, at Coral Reef Restaurant, uh, in the, the, what is it? The Seas with Nemo and Friends Pavilion, you know, having a table right up against the water is pretty spectacular. Um, and then like on the West coast here at, um, Blue Bayou is asking for a table by the water of the attraction there as well. Again, you're not going to be guaranteed it and you have to understand that. Um, But I do find more times than not, the cast members try to do their best to give you that super seat that you're asking for. So take that opportunity and give it a try.
0: Yeah, you, you may have to wait a little longer for those restaurant seats, those prime restaurant seats. But it is so much better when you get those. I mean, Blue Bayou is a nice restaurant. It's 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 good, you know, and wherever you sit sitting there, it's going to be pretty good. But it is a lot better uh, when you were right there in the bayou, right. kind of watching the, the Pirates of the Caribbean boats kind of sail by and getting the ambiance of it all. It is a different world uh, when you're near there. And again, you may have to wait a bit longer and it may not happen. But if you don't mind that wait, it is worth the effort at least to ask and, and see if you can get that uh, wonderful seat that is, the, you know, basically the best seats in the house. Right. Yeah. So great tip. Michelle's tip. Uh, thank you. Always the best tip. <laughs> uh, my tip just has a little bit to do with food. And we've discussed this many times, but I figure it's kind of a good to have a refresher out there. And that is, you know, first of all, some of these helpings that you get at the Disney parks. They can be rather large. Now, there's mm-hmm. a that's that can be good. Some people want a lot of food, especially they've been walking through the parks all day. That's fantastic. Some people don't want as much. That's okay. There's a couple things you can do there. One, you can bring something with you to kind of wrap that stuff up. I we t- tend to take some little containers, some little to go containers. And we will pop whatever is left over that we haven't eaten in those and take those with us and eat it it later, maybe in our room, maybe back at home, whatever it may be. Also, you can go up to the the quick service dining establishments and ask them if they have any to-go containers. They usually do, and they'll give you those to you as, as well. That's helpful. Another thing you can do is if you don't like to eat so much on the heavier side, is go ahead and order from the kids' menu. There's nothing to say that you can't order from the kids' menu for yourself as an adult. Don't feel ashamed right. by it. They're fine. Sometimes the stuff on the kids' menu looks a little better than what's on the regular yeah. menu. Go ahead and order off it. It's you know just kind of the right amount of food from you, for you. The price is a lot better in many regards, so there's no <laughs> point in paying a lot of money for this huge meal that you're only going to finish half of and then throw in the garbage um go ahead and get the kids meal and be happy with your choice because it's it's a pretty darn good choice
1: that's true you know and and with a lot of establishments having mobile ordering they don't even know if you have kids with the, no. with you or not
0: they don't know does it doesn't they don't care they don't, they don't care. care no one cares that's true There's not going to be shame on you for ordering from the kids menu as an adult. There's just not right. Go ahead and, and take advantage of that and get just a little bit smaller meal for you and your family. So great idea. Thanks. So that's it for this week. Next week. Well, it's going to be father's day. So to celebrate, well, of course we'll be looking at the many conflicts (laughs) that have arisen between (laughs) Disney dads and their children, right? Because you're thinking of the love of a father and his child. On Father's Day, so we're gonna look at the conflicts between the two. No, <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of movies that have been driven. You know, we. There's one thing about Disney films, you know, the mother isn't always there. Often, so right? There's almost always some sort of issue between the father and the child, or whatever the case may be. Well, we're gonna look at that and kind of show how maybe they've driven these films, and how really a lot of times they actually show how much the father does love the child.
1: Right, it, it it a lot of times it just highlights how when they get through a struggle together that they're that much closer.
0: Yeah. So looking forward to that, because um, that's going to be a very interesting and, and uh, you know, kind of unique retrospective unto Father's Day. So that's kind of cool. So as for today's show, we appreciate that you join us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the, however, the very best place to find us <laughs> is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there... Please sign up for our
1: newsletter if you haven't done that already. Sign
0: up for the newsletter. There will be one this week. It's just another way to be involved in the Hyperion Adventures podcast world. Another great way is to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. If you are on Facebook, come on over and join us for some good positive Disney energy fun on our Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group.
1: Yes, and just like Camille shared with her her special or favorite thing of the the week we love to hear yours as well
0: for sure and we just like to hear from you in any way shape or form just let us know what's going on share your fun whether it's disney related whether it's not We just want some good, positive Disney energy on that Hyperion Adventurers Facebook group. Also, we are on YouTube. If you want to find us there, just do a quick search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Hit subscribe. You'll know whenever we have a new video. And if you ever want to contact us for any reason, please hit us up at our Gmail account, HyperionAdventuresPodcast at gmail.com.
1: And we also love hearing from you all in terms of how the show is going. Whether you send us an email through our Gmail account or if you do a review for us, we love it so. We do. Please we take the time much. and let us know.
0: Very much, and we appreciate it. everybody that's ever shared this show with friends, family, anybody who's mm-hmm. written us a review, Heck, anybody who just listens to the show. I don't know how you make it through sometimes with our stumbling and bumbling <laughs> through the show, but we really, really appreciate that you, uh, you know, come back and listen to us on a fairly often basis you know it, just, <laughs> it it makes our day so thank you so much to all of you and thank you for listening to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast we look forward to sharing some time with you again next week until that time I'm Tom I'm Michelle and we hope that you have a magical week bye